You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 164. In this episode, I'm speaking to Rick Mulready about the latest Facebook crisis and what's new in Facebook ads. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Rick Mulready, industry-leading Facebook ad expert and the host of the Art of Paid Traffic podcast. Rick has 12 years of corporate internet advertising experience and has worked with many leading entrepreneurs and corporations, advising them on their marketing and paid media strategy. By going to sigrun.com forward slash 164, you will find links to Rick and the show notes of this episode. I am super excited to be here with Rick Mulready. Uh, we have already done a workshop together. We're together in a mastermind with James Wetmore in his inner circle. And uh, Rick is such a cool guy. He's been telling me also about Alexa briefings, a new concept. So let's dive in, Rick. Thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. I wore my red for you today. I have the red, my red hoodie on right now. Oh, so cool. Thank you for that. And you also have red earplugs. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> I read it out here. I was ready for you. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay. So obviously Facebook is in trouble right now. Are they? Are they? Yeah. The question is, are they? Are they in trouble? What, what do you think? Well, it depends on what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. So you obviously have the podcast out of paid traffic. People know you for Facebook ads and I immediately get the questions like, is this going to impact now online business owners that Facebook is in trouble? So are you referring to the whole privacy thing that's come up recently? Yeah. Yeah. So it's so funny that you asked this because literally I was having a conversation with my wife last night about this very topic. And I'm trying to decide whether I want to get on and do a little rant on my own show about this. Look, the way that I look at it is, do I think that Facebook is going anywhere? No, no, I don't. Facebook is not going anywhere. What's the number? Like one in, what, four people in the world are on Facebook? Did they mess up with this whole data thing, the latest, what, I forget the name of the company off the top of my head. Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, Cambridge Analytica. You know, did they mess up with it? It sounds like they did. And again, I haven't, I really haven't gone into it fully just because I kind of know how this whole narrative goes. Did they mess up? Probably. Okay. Are they coming out? Should Mark Zuckerberg and um, Cheryl have come out earlier? You know, like, should they have waited five or six days to come out and comment? No. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the opposite of what you learn in crisis management. Yeah, exactly. Get in front of it. Right. But as far as like, you know, there are these, all these campaigns like delete Facebook now. And I read this like scathing analysis on TechCrunch last night from this guy who just ripped Facebook apart, but offering zero alternatives, suggestions of what he would do. So it was just like, it's like, take it where the grain of salt. 
where I'm coming from with this is, look, privacy is important. Absolutely. I've been in online marketing. You can see I get all worked up about this, right? Yes, good. I've been in good. online marketing now for over 18 years. So I started back in AOL when we were mailing out CDs in the mail and you heard that annoying dial-up sound when you connected to the internet. Like that's yeah. when I started in online advertising over 18 years ago. You know, what do you think, what do people think happens when they go on to Google and search for something. You don't think that Google is collecting that information to serve you better, more relevant advertising? Or when you purchase something on Amazon and they're recommending similar products to you, what do you think is going on there? It's the same exact thing. Facebook is just the big old punch. And I don't work for Facebook. None of that. Like this is just, it fires me up that people just jump on these bandwagons and use it as a big punching bag because it's so easy and it's so easy to hate because it's such a large platform and it's become central to society, right? Yeah. So the whole privacy thing, and I'm not saying like I'm against privacy. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is people get all up in arms about it when in reality, this online platforms have been collecting this information for years, for mm. years, and then using that information to, from an advertising perspective. Okay. And so right or wrong, people are going to fall on both sides of that. Advertising is not going away. Right. And yeah. I would much rather be served an ad that's relevant to me than some random ad that has zero relevance to me, right? Well, that relevance is coming from the data that these platforms are collecting about its users yeah. and how people are using the platform. And so that's the thing that fires me up about it is that, look, this happens every single day. We are being cookied when we're on all types of websites. You know, it's a nature of being online. If you don't like it, get offline. I get, I'm very cut and dry on this, you know? Yeah. Again, don't, I don't want to reiterate, don't get me wrong, like I'm not against privacy in any way because that's very, very important. The core of this is this goes on every single day on any platform that you're, any website that you're on online and these sites and platforms are using this information to serve you relevant information. I would much rather have a relevant experience than some random experience that makes no sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually had this. I think Instagram started with ads and they were doing some testing and I got totally wrong ads in the beginning. And I had to click these little box where you can kind of hide the ad for every single ad that I saw. Yeah, exactly. Look, again, it goes back to advertising is not going anywhere right? And, you know, Facebook is a free platform for us to use and to go on there. So people are always up and arms like, well, there's, there's ads on the platform. Well, yeah, it's a free platform. You know, we are using that. And again, the sheer number, the 2 billion people that are on Facebook, it's free for us to go on there and use, you know, from a business's standpoint, if we want people to see our content, yeah, we do have to put money behind it from an advertising perspective, but it's not costing us anything as a user to go onto Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is. And it's just like, man, like, I don't know, I get all fired up about it. And so that's my, that's my little rant about that. I think it's more it got into the hands of the wrong people. Maybe people are less worried about Facebook doing it because it wouldn't be in their interest to do anything bad with our data. But it got, because of all these apps and quizzes people were signing up for, that's... 
Yeah, you know, it's like you know how when you when you use an app or you sign up for a, a site or a tool or an app or something, and it says, "Do you want to connect with Facebook?" Well, when you do that, you're saying that you're okay with this app connecting with your Facebook profile and you know having access to the information. You are telling you are saying yes, okay. Now, again, on this whole Cambridge Analytica thing, there's a lot more to it. And again, it does sound like Facebook messed up in some way. Okay, yes. And, you know, do they have the opportunity to correct it? Yes. And I'm, I'm sure that they'll do something about it. But when you have a platform like Facebook that's so ingrained into our society the way that it is, things are going to happen that we kind of have to like, again, I'm not like making an excuse for, I'm not at all. I'm just saying like, yes, these things are going to come up for any type of business at the scale that Facebook's at. Yeah. Very true. We hear bad stories from Amazon and Google as well. So it's not like it's a one-off, but it's kind of on people's minds right now. But let's talk about ads. Much more fun. <laughs> so you were speaking at Social Media Marketing World. We met there as well. Thank you for coming to the Mastermind Day, by the way. That was amazing. And obviously, video is still kind of the tool to uh, start to put into front of a cold audience, right? Yeah, it's a great strategy. Yeah. So what happens after that? So if just walk us through what happens, like if I want to really amplify my impact, we were talking about this just before we hit record on this show, like I would really want to go out there. I want as many people to know about my brand and my business. Obviously, video seems to be the obvious choice, some kind of a lifestyle video, value-based video, not selling anything. What, what happens next? Yeah. So from a video perspective, number one, I think it's important to understand like why that's a great strategy to start off with. And the reason for it is, is that Facebook puts a higher emphasis on video in the newsfeed. So it's going to get a higher priority as it is. Then if you were to do something like Facebook Live, so now you're doing video and using Facebook's tool here to create a video, both live and also that can live on, you know, on your page. Facebook likes that even more. So that's going to get higher engagement even to the next level there. So that's number one is that, look, let's use a platform or use a strategy to get in front of as many people as we possibly can while building that relationship with them. Because if, someone, if we're on video, if someone's on video, I'm able to see their mannerisms and I'm able to see how they're, you know, how they're presenting themselves and all this stuff. We get to connect with them in a way that we don't necessarily have the opportunity to in an image, for example, right? So yeah, so creating a video around what your business is and how you serve people and, and let people inside, give them behind the scenes, like why should they care about you? How can you help them? Just from that perspective can go a long way. And then to your specific question, Sigrun, as far as like, okay, then how do we use it? Well, we can build engagement audiences of people based on how long they're watching our video. And if someone's watching, say, 75 or 95% of our video, it's a pretty engaged user, right? That's a pretty engaged person who's watching that video. So we can turn around and retarget those people. Facebook gives us the opportunity to build those audiences of people who are watching the video based on different lengths of time. And then we can turn around and retarget them with an offer. And I say offer, I don't mean necessarily like, hey, go buy this. It could mean like, hey, here's another piece of free content or here's a download or here is a webinar. Here's whatever that might be. But we get to retarget them based on how long they're watching the video. Yeah. I've also heard of the strategy where people would just like show another video and another video kind of warm them up. Does that make sense? 
or is this dependent on how big my audience is in the first place or not? Do you mean like the, as far as the, you said the audience size, or do you mean like I'm targeting my potential audience reach here is, are you saying like a million people, let's just say, is that what you're talking about? No, I, I mean also, well, it's kind of a twofold question actually. I guess if you are a very known brand with maybe it's 10,000 likes, maybe it's 100,000 likes on your page, I guess the need to warm up is maybe less than someone who is brand new and doesn't have so many likes on their page. Okay, so we're talking about, we're targeting this video to our page, to our fans, is that right? To cold traffic. I think I see what you're saying is like, all right, if I have a, a larger fan base on my page, but yet I'm targeting cold audience, I think where you're going with that doesn't make sense. I don't think you need to be thinking about it from that perspective. I think the question of like, is it good to sequence people, meaning show them one video and then show them another video, I think is a great strategy because that's all about like, what is the customer journey look like for our business? And that's a big mistake that people make is that they don't take the time to fully understand what that journey looks like. So we have to remember that Facebook, when we're running Facebook ads, we're putting people in at the top of the funnel, basically. Like we're building that awareness for our business and for our brand. And then we're leveraging retargeting to move people further along our sales funnel. But it's really understanding what that journey looks like. So, you know, you're introducing people to the business at the top of our sales funnel, if you will. And so we have a video about our business, who we are, how we serve people, the benefits, all that stuff. Then we could have like the next level of our funnel to give people, you know, maybe you're adding some advice or giving some, adding some additional value at that point. So that would be another video that we're offering them. And then the next video could be maybe more of a call to action at that point. So yes, we are sequencing people with our videos to move them along our customer journey. Mm. And that would sound a smarter way than just taking, oh, I did a great Facebook live. Let's show it to the world now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, first of all, kudos for doing a Facebook Live, right? Because that's hard for a lot of people to get in front of the camera and do it. I get it. Totally get it. But my advice there is have a strategy. Like, be aware of why you're doing it in the first place. And if your intention is to turn that Facebook Live into an ad, well, remember that as you're doing your Facebook Live to sprinkle in your calls to action throughout the video there, as opposed to like, going through all, all through the video and not even mentioning what you want them to do actually. So go into it with purpose, you know, maybe do a quick sketch down an outline or whatever of what you're going to chat about, you know, pose the problem, introduce yourself, teach, add value, and then have your call to action. I mean, you can actually be sprinkling in that call to action throughout the video, but the bottom line is go into it with purpose, go into it with intention of whatever you want to achieve rather than going in just like, all right, like you said, so you're like, I'm going to do a video and I want people to see it. Okay, great. Well, why are you doing it? Yeah. Do you think it's worse if you're chatting with people? Like, you know, I have actually been doing my, I'm doing a weekly Facebook live and uh, I do not interact with people necessarily the 30 minutes or so, but I go into the feed afterwards and, you know, reply to all the questions have you seen like what, what is better or worse or? I mean, there's really no, I mean, there's pros and cons to it, I think. Like I would say the con of it is it sort of takes you out of the flow of whatever you're teaching, whatever you're talking about. So if you stop and you're like, oh, hey, Joe, 
you know, thanks so much for joining. Um, let me answer your question right now. When you're in the middle of a thought, that can be hard for number one for you to like, cause it breaks your train. And then also like for people who are watching, they're like, wait, 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 like you're in the middle of a point, like finish that point. On the other side, it can be good because if you are engaging with people and you're asking them questions and they're answering, that's going to increase the engagement on that video. And Facebook is going to see that as a good thing and say, hey, this is a good piece of content. We're going to show this to more people. So there's pros and cons to it. On your 30-minute show, like what's the format? What are you doing? Oh, various things. Sometimes I have a slide presentation. I go through it or I just talk and share experience from something that I did. So I, from Social Media Marketing World, for instance, right on the Saturday morning, I went to the pool with my phone and did a 45-minute presentation. You know, not slides, just me on the phone. So it was like the, uh, the vertical video, but I had my notebook with 13 takeaways from the conference. I got great were interested obviously you know and, and they saw that I was not at home and I guess there's a lot of things but I was in the sun so I didn't even see the comments I couldn't see my own phone you know I was just glad that I could keep it on my face mm-hmm, sure and it was a very engaging video although I could not interact with people I love that piece of content that you created and so I think what you could do there is just let people know maybe up front just say hey guys I have a lot to get through today yeah because I have a lot I want to share with you so please post your comments and questions here. And as soon as I'm done, I'll be make sure to come back in and answer those questions for you. And if you're watching this after we're live, again, make sure that you post your comments and questions in the comments below and I'll be sure and answer them for you. I think maybe just letting people know upfront, just like set expectations. You're like, look, I have like a bunch of takeaways that I can't wait to share with you. And I want to make sure that this video isn't three hours long. You know, so for that reason, I want to get into and, and share this content with you. No, very true. So I have, um, because of the whole privacy changes that are coming on, actually on the whole world and not just the European Union, and I am even living in two countries that are not in the European Union, but, you know, I definitely want to make sure that I comply to this law and all my clients do. So I've been watching a lot of webinars and Facebook Live on these topics, and what has actually annoyed me is that in the Facebook Lives, people are kind of like, Oh, waiting for people to come on, da, 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 da. and it becomes like I'm like, get to the point, get to the point. So that was the reason behind also my question. I'm so glad you're bringing that up because it's it it is hard. Like from a mindset thing, is like, well, you get the three, two, one countdown, right? And then your your live comes on, and you're like, all right, I'm speaking, but there's no one here yet. So why should I speak? Like, why shouldn't I just wait until people come on? But we have to remember that most people who are going to see our video here are not going to be on live with us, right? Like there's definitely going to be people on, but the majority of the viewers are going to come after we're live. So we have to think about that from that perspective. Like as soon as you're live, boom, go, get off to the races, you know, you're off. Like again, pose that problem. Like what are you talking about? So for example, I did a Facebook live yesterday and the whole idea was to talk about the overwhelm that people experience when they go in and look at their Facebook ad stats. Like their ads are running, okay, now what do you do? And I have a checklist for it and, I, and it's a download. So I was talking about that, but I, as soon as it started, I posed the problem. Like I started to tell a little story about what it's like once your ads are running and you're waiting for the first stats to come in and you're like wondering like, all right, are my ads doing okay? And then once you start to see the stats, like what do they all mean? And then I introduced myself and then I had like a little 
post-it pad, one of those big pads behind me where I was drawing on it. So I drew out like a funnel and I was just, I was like teaching at that point, sprinkling in the calls to action, meaning, hey, here's the link to, or click the link in the post to download it. But, you know, it's one of those things where like, I didn't wait, you know, for people to come on. I was, you know, off to the races at that point. Was there a ton of people on? No. But was there good engagement? Yes. People were asking questions and stuff like that. And I was similar to you where I did acknowledge a couple people while I was talking, but I waited until the very end. There was like two quick questions I knew I could answer right away that I did that. So that's a good point. Think about when you're doing a live video like that, jump right into it, you know, and be thinking about the user experience after you're live when someone's actually watching your video. And I can add to that. If anyone is using Zoom and going on Facebook Live with Zoom, actually when the, the banner comes on that you're live, you've already been live for two seconds. Yes. <laughs> and it's kind of weird. I have a hard time getting on camera. Like I would much rather speak like in front of several hundred or thousands of people. I have no problem with, I love it. But like put me on camera to do like a live or in front of, you know, in front of my phone or whatever to do an Insta story video or something. That's hard for me. And so what I do with that, like exactly what you're just talking about with like Zoom, you're right. You don't really realize you're, you're on, but it is. I tend to like make a little joke about it. I'll say something like, ooh, this is that awkward time where you're not really sure whether you're live, but you probably are. Yes. It kind of breaks the ice a little bit, but. That's super smart. So, okay, so we've done the videos, we've done the custom audiences, we're retargeting people who have watched our videos and they are gonna ensure that our conversion ads are lower. How much retargeting, like, you know, sometimes I see the people that obviously have the budget to run a lot of ads and I see the same ad every single day in my feed. And I, I'm starting to wonder, is that smart? Are you getting annoyed by it? No, but I'm not clicking on it either. So I'm wondering, what is the person benefiting from it? <laughs> yeah. You know, when do you give up? When have you said, I've retargeted these people, they've obviously liked my page, they watch my videos, and they're not clicking? When do I give up? You want to let the stats dictate what your actions are. So if you're seeing an ad over and over and over, then the stat that the person running the Facebook ads wants to look at is the frequency. So the frequency just simply means the average number of times that one person is seeing your ad. And I like to stay in that one to three range. So if you're getting four and above, you're kind of getting into that annoying land, if you will. Like someone's seeing my ad a lot and they're probably getting annoyed. The other thing outside of annoyance is what we, uh, this phrase we used to call banner blindness, meaning you start to see it so much that you just tune it out. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, it's losing its effectiveness. And so you want to be looking at the frequency. Number one, if you're running ads, look at the frequency, make sure you're in that one to three range. If you're getting above, and I, I see the same thing. I see in my newsfeed, I'm like, man, I'm seeing that ad over and over and over. I'm like, come on guys. Like let's, I mean, the other thing too, though, is let the results dictate what's going on. I mean, if you are really happy with the results and they're holding steady or improving, cool, keep going. But if you are, as time goes on, you are seeing those results start to erode a little bit, meaning like your cost per conversion going up, like your click-through rate starting to, starting to dip. Okay, probably time to change things up and refresh. It doesn't mean that you have to completely, you know, not target that audience anymore. anymore. It might just be something as simple as, changing up the ad or changing up the image or the video or whatever, or maybe it is a new offer that you're making to them, but let the stats dictate what you're going to do with it. 
I heard that we should be even more watching the relevance score than before. Can you say something to that? Yeah. So the relevance score is super important. And it really, so just to back up real quick, the relevance score is a scale of one to 10, 10 being the highest. And it's a rating of pretty much what it sounds like. How relevant is the ad that you are showing to the target audience? Unfortunately, it's one of those things where it's not easy to say, if you have a low relevance score, it's not easy to say, go change this one thing. Because number one, we don't know all the factors that go into the relevance score. But what we do know is how relevant is this ad to the target audience? So it could be the ad, it could be the target audience, or you might just be completely off base, you know, like just like the ad is terrible and the target audience is terrible. So it's hard to say, go fix this one thing if you're getting a relevance score of like say two or one or something like that. So that's what the relevance score is. Now, the importance of the relevance score really over 2017 very much started to get more important and place a lot into how well your ads are doing and also what ads are being shown, right? And the reason it got more important is because we reached that, Facebook reached that in the middle of 2017, like they said they would, that tipping point, if you will, where you know they call it the ad load, basically the, the ratio of ads to users. So they wanna keep it, they don't want the newsfeed to be a scrolling billboard, so they, no one knows exactly what it is, but they wanna keep that ratio to whatever they've deemed acceptable, right? And so they reached that tipping point, if you will, that saturation point in the middle of 2017. So relevance score is one of those things that they can use to dictate which ads are being shown and which ads are not. Because the, more, like the whole thing that Facebook wants to be doing with the algorithm is creating a good user experience. Because it knows without its users, you know, there's no advertising. So the more useful, the more relevant ads are being shown, they're going to get higher priority in the newsfeed versus ones that with a low relevance score. And then the other thing, the last thing I'll say about the relevance score, and I know that you and I have had this conversation in the past, this whole high positive feedback, high negative feedback or low negative feedback. So this has been a stat that Facebook has made available as well in addition to the relevance score. And it also plays into the relevance score. So uh, let's just say negative feedback is like you were just talking about earlier that you went through a period when you got on Instagram where you're seeing ads that were complete, so you were hiding them. Well, that counts towards negative feedback for that ad and for that business. And so when people are hiding the ad and saying that this is un irrelevant to them, that counts against their negative feedback that, that raises. So it's low, medium, or high. That also affects the relevance score, right? Because it's going to be a lower relevance score. But that's been very confusing to people because what people were often seeing was they'd have a high relevance score, let's just say like an eight, nine, or 10, but they were also getting high negative feedback. And so it's like, well, which one should I be more concerned with, you know? And it was really always the relevance score that was more important or that Facebook put more emphasis on. And Facebook is finally doing away with the negative feedback rating and the positive feedback rating later this summer. I think it's like, I don't know, June, July, sometime in 2018 here. So that they're only going with relevance score. So the confusion, it's still going to go into the relevance score, but they're only going to show you the relevance score and not, you know, try to remove that confusion, which I think is a really good move. Yeah. You don't need to see it if, you, if you're not going to make a decision based on it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it did. It certainly had its place, 
But like I said, when you were getting, for example, you know, a high relevance score, but also seeing high negative feedback, I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense because like my ads are doing great. Why am I getting negative feed, high negative feedback? So they're doing away with that. So what about all the new things coming? So obviously we have Facebook stories and then we have uh, in Messenger, you know, there's VR, AI, there's 360. Do you recommend doing ads or can you do ads with all these new tools yet? Well, within Messenger, you can. Um, as far as VR and all that stuff, it's still going to be a while before, you know, Facebook is certainly putting an emphasis on that. They're one of the leaders as far as from a platform perspective and really putting a lot of emphasis on VR. But I still think we're a ways away from it. You know, there's Facebook Watch, which is the video platform in there. So if, you know, their whole goal is to really compete with things like YouTube and so forth and hopefully take I say hopefully meaning from their perspective, they're hoping that it takes TV dollars away and bring ad dollars or ad revenue over to, you know, sort of longer form content on the Facebook watch platform. But, you know, as far as the, uh, where things are going, I think things are very much going towards messenger and the ability to connect with customers on a one-to-one basis. That's the shiny object, you know, that people are really like are, are enamored by the thing that, as a somebody teaching this stuff, I say jokingly frustrates me is that someone doesn't have the fundamentals down of marketing their business. Like they don't understand who their target customer is fully. They don't understand like the offer and what they're trying to accomplish, but yet they're like, Ooh, I want to go do messenger marketing. Well, what are you doing you know, on a fundamental perspective that is working? Because you don't, you don't want to go over to messenger when you don't understand the other stuff and that you haven't, really mastered the fundamentals of marketing your own business. Messenger isn't going to solve that. The opportunity with Messenger, as I mentioned, is the whole one-to-one connection. You're able to have conversations with people. What I'm not saying, though, is you have to be in there just yourself answering every question that comes in because you can use tools like ManyChat or Opesta, which are bot technologies to automate these conversations. But the important thing to remember when we're using these technologies is and you and I have talked about this as well, is that messenger marketing is not push marketing. This is not your opportunity to like just push messages out to people and say, hey, I'm having a sale today only, go here to buy. Like that's not what this is used for. Like this should be used as permission-based marketing, meaning we're letting people know, hey, there's an opportunity or we're giving them a heads up. Would they like to know about it? And then giving them options to yes, no, unsubscribe, whatever it is, like this is permission-based stuff. And so the ability to have these conversations on a very personalized level, especially this is where people are, right? They're on Messenger, they're on WhatsApp, they're on these messaging platforms. And so advertising is bleeding into these platforms and it's just like anything else. We as advertisers have got to respect the platform and do it in a way that is native to that platform so that we don't make it a poor user experience, right? Because the worst thing is like, oh, like we're just going to pound people on our messenger list and then, you know, they're going to get so annoyed and either probably unsubscribe and not want to hear from us, which is poor, poor for our brand and poor for our business. And we don't want to drive them over to another platform. You know what I mean? They're like, screw this. I'm going to go do something else. So be native to that platform and treat it how users are using it be permission-based. And I think this is something that's still so brand new that 
again, new technologies coming out to be able to use it and leverage it from an automated yet personalized experience, um, which I think is really, really exciting. Mm. I heard that uh, payment is coming to uh, ManyChat or Messenger. So you could just finish the whole conversation and transaction inside the Messenger. And this is already happening in Asia. We're, we're a little bit behind, right? <laughs> Exactly. Like, that's the whole point is that like, look, like people are already doing this stuff, right? And so why not bring our businesses in a connection focused initiative here and to bring it to these platforms where people already are, you know, so make it easy for them, remove the barrier to transact with you. And that transaction could be as something as simple as opting in for something or just watching a video to purchasing something like you're talking about. Like here's the, here's the link and that transaction happens right within the message. Yeah. I got to ask you this question. I know you probably got it from me every time that we have sat down together, but I just have so many clients that are worried about their costs. And every time I mention cost to you, you just laugh and say, huh, well, you got to look at, you know, what you're actually selling. And if you're making money, well, then it's okay. But can you speak a little bit that? Because people are like, oh, I'm paying more than one euro or $1 and poor me. I want to back up. I don't think I say, well, as long as you're making money, you're fine. No, I don't think I say no, no. that. <laughs> so yes, number one is take things that you hear with a grain of salt because people love to throw around like, oh, I'm getting, you know, 37 cent leads, you know? Well, that could be true, but what's probably happening is it's on like their warmest traffic possible and it's like one tiny little piece of their entire campaign, Okay. That's usually what it is. Okay, cool. Like, awesome. They're getting such great leads. So be careful. Try not to judge and compare your results to other people's stuff that you hear when you really don't know the whole picture. Okay, that's the first thing. Because then it gets into what we were talking about. Like somebody's saying like, oh, well, in September, I was getting $1.80 leads or $1.180 euro. And now six months later, I'm getting like $2 and 90 cents or 290 euro and they're freaking out. You know, it's like, well, you know, look, costs are going up on Facebook. It's still very much undervalued from an advertising perspective. So just know that number one, but it really comes down to you. Do you know what a lead is worth to you and what's the actual cost to get a customer? Because then you, once you know those numbers, all of advertising this is a numbers game, right? So the more that you, the more data that you have to figure this out, to know exactly what, what is it cost per lead? What, or what is it, what is your average cost per lead? What is it costing you to get a customer? And then you can just work backwards from there, work the numbers backwards. So, and this comes down to a conversation that we have a lot too, is like, what is your earnings per lead? And so if I'm doing a launch, for example, so very quick story, and I don't know if I, I shared this with you before, but I was promoting one of Amy Porterfield's programs, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago or something like that. And man, I was having a hard time with my cost per lead. Like we were trying everything. I think it was like, I couldn't get it below like $12. And I was like, $12, like, you know, like, what the heck here? What's going on? Like, I should be able to get this lower. I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And so finally I said, heck with them. I'm just going to keep going. I kept it right in that 10 to $12 range. I wasn't happy with it. But as it turned out, my earnings per lead was like $88. And so basically for what that metric means for people that don't know what earnings per lead is, is like how much revenue did you bring in versus how many leads that you brought in? So revenue divided by leads, that's our earnings per lead. 
So if my $88 is my earnings per lead, now granted, I don't know that until after the promotion, granted. Yeah, it's a risk you take. Right, but you could use that for the next one you could do and like kind yeah. of like take an educated guess. So all that really is telling me is like, okay, if my earnings per lead is $88, I conceivably could go up to paying $88 per lead before I'm losing money right? Mm. So if I'm paying $12 per lead and my earnings per lead is 88, it's a pretty good gap there, you know? That's a very good return on investment. Exactly. So it really, my point is, is knowing the numbers, right? So the more that you can know your numbers and back out, that will tell you exactly how much you can be paying per lead to get them into your funnel. Great. I, I think we have to end with this discussion because this is what people will walk away with. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know. You know, they always remember what you start with and what you end with. And if we start another story, it's gone. So yes, earnings per lead. You need to know how to calculate that. We started on a rant about privacy yes. and we're ending on earnings per lead and lead costs and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to see you on Alexa. We are both going to go on Alexa briefing. So look out for now Alexa wants to talk to me because uh, oh, nice, it's on nice. my table <laughs> and then it kind of talks into my podcast and then everything. But yeah, you will be launching soon. I will be launching soon. So anyone listening, watch out. I don't think many people are doing this yet. They're not. No, they're not. And if you have an Alexa, go and watch out for Alexa briefings that are coming out soon from both of us. And if you don't have Alexa, go and get one. They're not expensive. Uh, you can get these little devices. Uh, I don't know. They're 88 euro in Germany. I don't know what they're in US. I have one of the little discs. I want to say it was like $40 US. <laughs> like it's very inexpensive. Yeah. Uh, now I'm upset. Now I'm upset. Now we're talking about, you know, how Americans get everything a lot cheaper than Europe. Well, there's different versions, like the little, the little disc and then you got the, like the little tube and the screen. I forget all the names, but yeah, like there's different. They're not expensive. No, they're not. So excited to see that too. And uh, Rick, it's always a pleasure to connect. Yeah, always. Always good to chat. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Ready to create a lifestyle business from your passion? Go to sigma.com forward slash 164 to sign up for the free video series, Seven Stages of a Profitable Online Business. There you also find the show notes of this episode and links to Rick Mulready. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe, and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.